Hello and welcome to the River and Panhandle's weekly podcast. We are so excited that you are tuning in for this week's message. Before we get started, there are a few things that we would love for you to do. Share it, subscribe, and rate the podcast. So the message is about to begin. We hope that you are encouraged and that you always remember, no role is insignificant. Every life matters and go out and make a difference. the temple of the living God. This is where he dwells. We have been bought with a price. We are no longer ours. We don't belong to us. We belong to Jesus. And that's what life worth living, is it not? This is why we sing. I feel like, I feel like this morning, you and I all need to hear that we are not shackled to the regulations of this world, that we are not just practicers of religion, but this morning we belong to a living God, a triune God who has died, raised, and gone to prepare a place for us, and this makes us His people, not just people that sit in his presence or at his feet, but we are his. And that's worth celebrating, is it not? I don't think you understand what I just said. I don't think you get it. We are not just people who do church, we are the bride of Jesus who is returning for us. And therefore, we don't just do church things. We are the church. Are you with me? I mean, I know you guys, I've, I've had a lot of coffee, but I've also had a lot of Holy Spirit, and I'm ready to roll with this this morning, and I'm not going to let you get away with just sitting there. I hope you're okay with that. I ain't mad at you. You're not my children. But you are God's son. You are God's daughter. And it's a reason to celebrate this morning. We do not live under the regulations of the world or man-made religion. We are regulators of the truth and the hope and the power and the blessing and the eternity of Jesus Christ. And that's worth, that's worth celebrating. It's worth listening to this morning. God, we just thank you that, that we have come into this place this morning and God, I know that every one of us have, have brought in some baggage and, and some things from life and we're kind of working through uh, stuff in our own worlds. But Jesus, thank you that you have overcome that. You are the great overcomer. In this world, we will find trouble, God. We know that. And on some level, we accept that. But the world is full of trouble. But oh God, you sent Jesus to overcome that trouble and that death and to give us new life. And so for that this morning, God, we sit at your feet, sit in your presence, and we say, speak to us and make us ready to be regulators for your word and your way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. David in Psalm 119, even you've heard me talk about this passage before where 
he has this moment where he says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How can you keep your way pure? How can you obey God? How can you follow him faithfully? He says, by living according to your word. And then there's a verse that says, this is David speaking, not me. He says, I love your statutes. I love your law. And I meditate on it day and night. How many of you do that? You just sit with God's word open and that's what you love and that's the honey you, you eat, for, right? Anybody, anybody like that? There's a few of you that are kind of like that, right? But that's what David was in love with. Why? He goes on to say, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. But this isn't a question of doing all the right things and not doing all the wrong things. It's more of a relationship that he has with God because he's so in love with who God is that he just wants to live his life for him. That's where we are this morning in Colossians 2. Colossians 2 is... Well, the whole, the whole chapter that we've been, we've been looking at is the story of what it means to not be wrapped up in all the religion of the world, but to live in a relationship with God. And so in verse 16 through, uh, I'm sorry, verses uh, 20 through uh, 23, we, we kind of wrap up this little passage with a reminder that we're not just here to do the things God wants us to do and not do the things he doesn't want us to do, but we are here to live in freedom in him. And that's what verses uh, 20 through 23 are all about. Look at verse 20 with me. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world. Let's pause it for just a second. And let me remind you, what are the elemental spirits of the world? We talked about how in the, the Roman system of thinking, their religious or their spiritual minds all looked to and focused on all the gods of the elements. Earth, sky, water, land, space, war, victory, fertility, right? This is, they looked to the elements and they had these gods, lowercase g, for each of these elements. And what Paul is reminding us here, because Christ has come into our life and he has set us free from all of those old ways we are no longer bound by the elemental spirits of the world. Why? Look at verse 20. As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Now, it wasn't just the Romans who lived that way. All across this growing kingdom, the, the way, as Jesus called it, all across this movement throughout the land, there were people who were completely confused about what it meant to truly follow Jesus. And they had been, some of them had been raised up in this Jewish way of thinking, which is full of laws and regulations. And some of them were very good at that. And some of them, just like you and me, some of them were not so great at that. But all of them had these regulations in, these, in their lives that, that guided them on their path to God or in the, in the world of, of pagan religions, lowercase g, gods, many gods. 
But these regulations, while they were given by God to be freeing and love and mercy to help people find their path to a loving God, it had been turned into something completely different where it became a system of following and obeying God and not just a way to a relationship with God. And so they were caught up in all these regulations. And so even people who found their way to God through Jesus, which we know Jesus said is the only way, as they found their way, they still found themselves wrapped up in all of these regulations and the old rules and the laws and the way they used to live. Why? Maybe they were trying to do the right things. Why? Maybe because that's the way their mama taught them, to do the right things. You have to go to the temple on Sabbath. You have to make a sacrifice, let the priest cleanse you. You have to get into this pool to cleanse yourself. You have to, have to, have to, have to. When all along, Jesus, when he was with them, and even as he sent out the disciples, he said, it's not about what you have to do, but this is a delight. This is what we get to do. We get to know Jesus. We get to, we want to enjoy a relationship with God. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly not be a prisoner, not be shackled to the old ways, but now live in this freedom in Jesus. That's who he was. That's what he wanted for us. That's the way he made for us. And so Paul is saying, if then you have been raised up with Christ, you have died to the old self, the old elemental spirits, why are you so bogged down and submit to these regulations? There's some crazy ones, and we'll get into a few of those in just a minute. But here's the question I want us to ask this morning. Are we a people who live under regulations? Or will we allow ourselves to be regulators of the law? Now, what is a regulator? If you've ever seen the movie Young Guns, right? The young guys that protected the land for Mr. Tunstall. You know, if you've seen this movie, you should do yourself a favor and watch it. It's old school and it's awesome. Young guns. And they would say, regulators, mount up. Time to go to work. What does a regulator do? A regulator protects the things that he loves, the things that she loves. You, as a child of God, because you have been set free by the blood of Jesus, the lamb who became a lion, who stepped into your life to make a way for you to know God, not just from a distance, but up close and personal. When you love God and his word, you become a regulator of that. Why? Because regulators protect what they love. You know, you know how this works. If you're a parent and you love your children, and I hope, those, hope both of those things are synonymous. They're not always, are they? 
But if you love something, you will fight for something. When you love someone, you will fight for them and you will die for them. This is what a regulator is. Someone who stands for truth is not ashamed to stand up and say, that's not what God wants in this world and not on my watch. I'm not going to let anything harm my children. It's not that I'm just going to step in and fight for them and chase people down and I'm going to get on my knees and take a stand for what is true. I'm going to show my children the love of God by the way I show them mercy, grace, favor, kindness, justice. I want to stand for what is right. I'm going to protect what I love. That's what it means to be a regulator. And so we're not shackled by the old way and the rules and the regulations, but instead we have been set free by God to take a stand for what is right and what is good and what we do love. This is the way God rigged the system for us. Here's the question we should be asking. Does what I'm hearing, does what my children do, the things that my children hear, does, do the things that they hear and see and they pursue, does it line up with God's word? In my life, whether I choose to spank or not to spank, does it line up with God's word? We, we're not going to get into a debate about corporal punishment right now, but what does God's word say about it? What does God's word say about sex before marriage? Does my life line up with what God's word says about that? You and I can have healthy dialogue and a conversation about whether it's okay to live with someone before you get married or not. We can have that conversation all day long. My question at the end of the day is always going to be, does it line up with God's word for your life? doesn't matter what I think about it. It's between you and God is what I'm choosing for my life. Does it line up with what God wants for you? To be a regulator means that no matter, no matter what the circumstances in my life are, I want to choose His way because it's the only way to live. Why? Because He is my first love and not the person I live with. Does that make sense? I'm not busting on anybody because I've got stuff in my own life that I have to deal with. My pride gets me in trouble with my wife and Jesus every day of my life, right? We don't fight often. We have some robust dialogue, amen? But Ashley's not my judge and I'm not her judge. I'm not your judge. Jesus is the judge of your life. And the question is, will you subject yourself to what he wants for you? Man, I don't know how, we can also argue about the chosen, right? I don't know how you feel about this. If you like are a literalist and you just need only God's, we can talk about that later. We like the chosen in our house. And I'm watching season three yesterday with Ashley. And when the bleeding woman touches the hem of his garment, right? I'm bawling like a baby. Why? Because I've been that person. I've been that person. 
who spent so much of my time and my life and my effort knowing and understanding what the rules were, what the way was. And I, I didn't always choose that. And I fought against that. I fought against my flesh so many days, so many years of my life. And the day Jesus opened my eyes to see that He is the way. His grace was greater in my life. I just touched the hem of His garment and He set my heart free. And He's done that for you, so many of you I know as well. That's what it means to be a regulator because God stopped the bleeding. He stopped the pain. He stopped the isolation. He stopped the fear and he stepped into your life and he said, just love me. (laughs) It's Jesus that does the life change. It's not you. You can't do enough. You'll never be good enough. If you if you spend your life and your energy and your focus and your heart and your time on just trying to be a good parent or a good person or do the right things, it's never going to be enough. That is living under regulations. But to be a regulator means no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. That's what he wants for your life. Psalm 103.9, David also said, the Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. Not my way, but your way. Not my will, but your will. And so the call to God is to submit, not to a pattern or a method or a plan or a formula. God's call is for us to submit our lives to him. Lay your life at his feet. Jesus, have your way with me. Jesus, do your best in me. This is what it means to be a child of God. I want to imitate the one that I love. And the one that I love is Jesus. And so Jesus, today, your will for me is mine. God, your plan for me today is mine. God, my time today is yours. Even the consequences and the difficulty and the circumstances of life. God, whatever you want for me today, I accept that because I want to be right where you want me to be even when it's hard. (laughs) That's what it means to be a regulator. I'm going to stand, not just for what is right, but I'm going to stand in the light of who is right. And it's Jesus every single time. He never gives up. He never quits. He never loses. You are never, ever closer to God than when you submit your life to Him. You're never closer to God than when you submit your life to Him. You know what that means? You're never closer to being in God's will when you submit your will to His. It means you're never more righteous or right than when you seek God's righteousness for your life. It means that I am never ever as good 
as when my life is connected, deep tissue to the one who is good, and that is God. You're never more right with God. You're never closer to God than when you submit your life to His. Let's keep going in Colossians 2. Look at verses 21. What are the regulations that he's talking about? 21 and 22. He starts with, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to the things that all perish as they are used. According to the human precepts and teachings. Don't do this, don't do that, don't handle this, don't taste that, don't touch that. Why are we submitting ourselves to all the don'ts, 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 don'ts when God's call on your life is to do, is to be, is to walk with Him, is to enjoy Him, to live in Him, to enjoy that. Do not versus do. Do not versus do. If we get lost in and we're focused on what we're not supposed to do, we're never going to fully enjoy doing and being what we're supposed to do. Because we get wrapped up in, is this good enough? Am I close enough? Have I figured this out? Don't do this. Don't touch this. Don't taste this. Don't handle that. Don't go there. Don't drink this. Don't, 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 don't. You get lost in all of that. I'm not saying that there are things we don't do. Of course there's things we don't do. Here's what I'm saying. When we love and live in Jesus, in His light and His mercy and His grace, it's not a fight for what we're not supposed to do. Instead, we love Him so much, His heart captures our heart. He fills us and then we become who He wants to be. This is what it means to abide, John 15. If anyone abides in me and I in him, I will bear much fruit in him, in that person. Why? Because now my life is connected to the vine, which is Jesus and not my mind and not what I think about him. Now I'm connected to the one who put all the rules and regulations in place in the first place. And when I can taste him, touch Him, and I can handle what He puts in my life. You following me? Now, I get both. I get Jesus, and I'm doing the things that He wants me to do. I get the relationship and the obedience. If I'm just focused on the obedience, then I'm going to miss the relationship. But when I and committed, connected to Him, loving Him, abiding in Him, living in Him. I breathe His air. I learn to love His Word. And this is what I want to put in my heart and fill my life with. Then I accomplish both. Not only a relationship with Him, but now I'm doing what He wants me to do. Does that make sense? So stop focusing on what you shouldn't do and start focusing on what you should do. What, what is that? What do we do then? I would say this, and, and we, we kind of get wrapped up in this do and do not 
thing. In fact, Paul, I call these the doo-doo verses, right? Where Paul says, you know, I do the things I do not want to do. The things I do not want to do, I do, right? Doo-doo, right? You with me? We get wrapped up in all that and it gets very confusing. It's very simply this. To do equals to be. Now, hear me out on this. Because I'm not saying if you do all the right things, then you will be the right person. I'm I'm saying this. When you are one with Jesus and you live in Him and you walk in Him, then what flows out of your heart, Luke 6, 45, Jesus said it this way, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I love Him and His way and His word and His law, it just comes out of me. When I fill my life with His song, the worship of Him, with His goodness toward me, then what comes out of me is something satisfying, completely beautiful to God. I can't be on my own. I can't do on my own. It's just a call to connect to the vine, to let my life be one with Jesus. There are are some crazy regulations. There are some crazy ways of doing things in this world. Even the Jews who had complete access to the law, the ways of God, the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They were given all the law of God, personally written to and for them. And then out of that, priests were appointed to read from that and then to communicate that. And then they developed a system of interpreting God's way, the Torah, to the people And then these regulations were developed called the Mishnah, which are the interpretations of the rabbis. Now, some were very healthy and very righteous and helped people make sense of God's law. Some of them have gotten really confusing, such as there is a rabbinical interpretation or rabbinical rule that says, If you are sick and you have to go to the hospital, you cannot enter a hospital where they measure your body temperature. This is what God wants. You can't have a thermometer put on your head and go into the hospital because that's not of God. Super weird, right? I don't understand that. That's in the Mishnah. That's not in the Bible. You with me? So there are still some interpretations of that law that, are, that just don't make sense. Either you die of COVID or you die of uh, God's wrath because you got your temperature taken. I'm not sure. I'm not sure which is worse in, in that language. But here's what I know. There are regulations and interpretations of God's law, of His teaching, of what He wanted for us in the first place that got perverted by man's way of thinking. These are man's regulations, not God's. And I'm not knocking the Jews at all. They're our brothers. 
What I am saying is because of Christ, we have been set free from that law. We have been set free from that and it's called grace. And this is where he wants us to live. And it's why then we show grace to others when they don't deserve it. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. We show grace to others because Jesus first showed grace to us. That's being a regulator of God's way, of His law. We love because He first loved us. This is what it means to be a child of God. All of the other do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. It's all going away because it's all tied to elements and things of the earth. Our way, our system Our love, our compassion, our obedience is tied directly to Jesus Christ who made a new way for us. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Watch this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. The point is, Draw near to God and He will not deny Himself to you. When you draw near to God, it's where you get cleansed from the unrighteousness. 1 John 1.9 If you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from the unrighteousness. This is what God wants for us. To live in freedom, in joy, in hope, in thanksgiving, to walk in His ways, to love Him. This is what He wants for us. To be regulators of who He is and not be bound by the regulations of the world. Galatians 5.16 says again, walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. We're not just choosing to abstain from the flesh. We're choosing to walk in the Spirit and the Spirit then opens our eyes to what is right and what is good. And then when we're walking in that way, then we abstain from the desires of the flesh because we're walking in unison and in harmony with the Spirit of God. This is what He wants for your life. Not to just do right things, but to enjoy a relationship with a right, righteous God. This is what He wants for us. Look at verse 23. All these regulations and them going away, verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. The flesh is obsessed with itself. Every one of us fight this battle daily. The flesh, the heart of flesh, is just obsessed with what it wants. This is why the world tells us to go for it. Just do it. Enjoy it. 
Love is love. The world wants us to enjoy the life of flesh and to be happy and to be satisfied and let's all just get along. Until until it betrays some false conviction that they have. And then the world will say, well, well not, not that. You, you, you can't tell me what to do. That's a fact. I can't tell you what to do. I can't tell you what to do with your body. But what I am going to do is I'm going to take a stand for God's way and His light and His love, and I'm going to believe that God was clear about how He interprets marriage and sex and addiction and depression and fear. God was clear about the way He wants us to live in this world. And all I'm suggesting for you and me is that we take a stand for the convictions that come from God's word and not just for what we think is right or righteous. That's the way the world thinks. No longer I who live, but Christ in me. Not my will, God, but your will. Why? Because even when it hurts, I want to be right with you. The flesh is obsessed with itself. And this is the difference between the appearance of wisdom, appearance versus authenticity. Your, your faith your love of God is never more authentic than when you say, not my will, but yours. It's not your righteousness that makes God happy. It, it, it's, it's not your goodness that makes God happy. It's not your obedience that makes God happy. It's not even your faithfulness that makes God happy. It's your faith that makes God happy. He looks at you and he says, do you trust me? Will you let me have my way in you? That's what satisfies the heart of God. So it's not just an appearance of wisdom, of righteousness, but now it's authentic faith. God, I yield my life to yours. God, I give you my life. Your faithfulness, your righteousness, your goodness should all just flow out of that because you've let God have his way in you. That's what it means to be authentic before God. It means even when you hurt, it means even when you fear, it means even when you doubt, you say, God, not my will, but your will be done in me. And it'll keep your flesh wanting your flesh will continue to want and hurt. But your heart will be so in sync with God's heart that you can look at your circumstances, you can look at your life and go, it wasn't my life to begin with. That is deep obedience, discipleship, 
following God. That's what it means to be so in love with him that you're, regulator, you're a regulator of his way and not a prisoner to the regulations of the world. The world loves itself. The world loves the outward appearance. The world loves to tell a story that says, you deserve better. I don't know if you do or not. I don't deserve better. I deserve anything God puts in my life. I deserve any way God has for me. Even when it hurts and it's hard and it puts me into a place, maybe even a tailspin. If this is what God wants for me, then I accept that because He is God and I am not. But it's why we stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. It's why we fight for those who can't fight for themselves. It's why we take children into our homes that could not make a way on their own. It's why we believe that God is just and kind and merciful and loving. And even when the world gets that confused with happiness, we take a stand for who God is. We take a stand for his way. The world looks at the outward appearance. 1 Samuel 16.3 The world judges based on this. The world looks at the outward appearance. But 1 Samuel 16 says that God looks at the heart. This is what God sees. Not just what I do, but why I'm doing it. This is what God is looking at. This is what God is watching. He's not just seeing if I'm obeying the rules. He's watching my heart. Why are you doing what I've asked you to do? Is it because I first love Him? Because I want Him the most? Because I want to be obedient and faithful to what He wants? Or is it because I want others to think that I'm pretty good at this pastoring thing? Which I'm not. No longer I who lives, but Christ in me. He does the good. He does the hard part. Exodus 14.14 says, I only have to be still. The sovereign Lord will fight for me. He does the hard part. We just have to follow and obey and trust Him. Let me tell you about a friend of ours who is following, trusting, obeying the best way she knows how. We've had lots of great seniors graduate from high school this year, and they're going to go. Uh, they're going to go conquer the world. They're going to go do some great things in the world. And one of our students, who just graduated, submitted her life to God and said, "God, have your way with me as I serve you." Many of the others did the same. They're going to military and school and trade school and college. They're going to do incredible things for God. But I, I want us to take a moment as Chloe Lewis prepares to go follow God 
with her occupation career life. Chloe, we are incredibly proud of you subjecting yourself to God and choosing that path, right? So Chloe, here's what we want to do. Chloe, I want you to come up here and join me. Mom, family, you guys come on up here. Naomi, you guys come on up. All of you, come on up. Keyshawn, you guys that love her. All of you guys, I want all of you guys. Yeah, that includes, all, yeah, come on up. And now I want to invite, why don't you come right here, all right? You right here, right? And I want now to invite all of the rest of you guys to come up here. And I want you to surround Chloe this morning. And we want to pray for Chloe as she gets sent out to follow God with her life. And I want you, I want you to surround her with your heart. Prayer. Let's spend, let's spend a moment just praying over her. I'm giving you time to come up here. You come up here. Put your hand on his shoulder in front of you. We're all going to connect in one way or another to Chloe. We just want to ask God to protect her, to go with her, to give her courage. God, in the name of Jesus this morning, I just pray that you surround Chloe as she is surrounded physically by people who love her. God, I pray that she would feel and sense and know and breathe this air, God, of your Spirit, that you would Pour into her, God. God, spiritually, that you would fill her heart just as these people are touching her through someone else. God, we are surrounding her this morning. God, I pray protection for her. The enemy's going to tell her she's not good enough. The enemy's going to come and try to destroy and wreck what you were doing in her life. God, in the name of Jesus, we bind him from her life. Cover her, God. In the name of Jesus, Father, I pray that you would take steps right in front of her, illuminate that path. Your word is a lamp unto her feet, God. Let her walk in you in courage and joy. God, there are going to be people in the world that say she's not worthy and she's not ready. God, I pray that you would fill her with a powerful, magnificent truth, a glorious and righteous beauty to accomplish great things for your name, God. That you would see people healed and set free, that they would come to you and that they would walk in you because of her words of life, her words of hope. God, I pray that you would fill her every day. God, I pray Isaiah 50, verse 4, over her life. The Lord has given her an anointed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. God, I pray that you would awaken her morning by morning. Waken her ears to listen as one being taught. Fill her, God. I pray that she would be a powerful influence of the other people, even at CFNI, that they would look at her and they would say, I want what Chloe has. God, I pray that family and friends, that all of us would watch and go with her, that we would be here and we would support and that we would look at her life and say, God, give me what Chloe has. Use her in a powerful way. 
protect her, meet needs financially, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, physically. Guard her, God. Raise her up and use her in a sweet and powerful way. God, thank you that we get to be a part of Chloe's life. In the name of Jesus, we pray. All God's people said. And that's this week's message. We hope that you are encouraged and inspired. If you would like to join our online campus and experience the service as it happens live, go follow us on Facebook or YouTube by searching The River in Panhandle, Texas. Have an amazing and blessed week.